This will come back later in the sermon, so. Um, was there anybody in the room that knew this story of you are special? Had any of you seen that when you're... Um, it pretty much means that you're in a certain age category, like where our kids are, because this book came out when our kids were little. And so, um, anyway, so we'll get back to that. And and I'll keep it in my office. I won't take it home right away. So if you need to look at it or or something like that, you can do that. I know that I do something that most of you are terrified to do. I know that because it's the number one fear in America, public speaking. Most people are more afraid of public speaking than dying. In other words, they would rather die than do it. And let me, under, let me, let me help you understand a little bit about why I think that happens. I think that it, it, has, it has a lot to do with why we fear lots of things in our lives is the same sort of issue. My experience with people that don't want to do public speaking is that they're afraid that they'll come up here and make some sort of mistake or they have been up here and made some sort of mistake and then been told things about themselves from other people. Is that, is that about right? You're either afraid you'll be, you'll be looked on as not valuable by somebody or you have been told you're, you didn't do that well. Um, and then that tape starts playing in your head. And if I use tape, some of you will understand better if I say MP3 or AIFF file, or maybe if I go back to an 8-track or reel-to-reel. Right? Do you like reel-to-reel? I have a brother who still has an 8-track in a car because it makes it more valuable because it's original equipment. But you've got this tape going on in your head, and you hear it over and over and over again. Now, now I hate to say this, and I don't really mean that everybody that, that gives you criticism or, or maybe positive or negative feedback on your public talk is doing this particular behavior, but the, the speaking of negative things in your life over an event is actually the behavior of a bully. Now, the problem is, is that nobody's really as big a bully of, of yourself as you are. Because you take that in, and then you, it might have been said once, but we hear it over and over and over. And we just keep playing that tape over and over again. And pretty soon, we have heard something 50,000 times. And if you hear something 50,000 times, it's sort of like reading it on the internet and then hearing it somewhere else. It must be true. I hate to tell you, that's not actually how truth is decided. But I know most of our world sort of sees things. They see it on the internet, and then they hear it. It's true. It's like the meme that said Abraham Lincoln's quoted it saying, all the things on the internet aren't necessarily true. But I want to get to this, this um, the power of the bully to ridicule and change you. And, and to lock up a future that could be and steal it away. Now, last week, some of you will remember that I, that I carried about three weeks' worth of sermons in, in just a few moments. I'm just going to go back and read just a little bit about what Jesus says 
to the Pharisees who are doing some of this stuff. What sorrow awaits you, Pharisees? This is from Luke um, 11.43, and then I'll read a little bit more later. What sorrow awaits you, Pharisees, for you love to sit in the seats of honor in your synagogues and receive respectful greetings as you walk in the marketplaces. Yes, what sorrow awaits you, for you are like hidden graves in a field. People walk over them without knowing the corruption they are stepping on. Later on, he fills out this understanding by saying, the sorrow that awaits you, experts of religious law, are that you remove the key of knowledge from people and then you don't enter in yourself. Do you know somebody that's kind of like this? They've kind of spent their life hearing the negative things about them, themselves, and then they don't, they can't get past what they've heard. It, it, it could be as simple as, as keeping you from being a public speaker, but I've seen people in churches that don't sing because they were told once by somebody that they don't do it well. The, the keys of, of a future of making a joyful noise, which is the way I go about it. I can, I can come over here to Becky, who's given me good eye contact, and say, I make a joyful noise. That's pretty much what I do, right? Lead foghorn. But if I believed everybody said, oh, you know, maybe you shouldn't sing because you don't do that very well then I would be robbed of the spot where I get to lose myself in worship of a God who loves me. And the keys don't do this. So, so what I'm trying to set the stage for is this. Um, and, it was, and it's all over the place in the service today. Now, Karen read the book a little bit so that I didn't have to read as much of it during the, the sermon. But do you remember the line of the scripture that Dee read when she was up front earlier? She said, that we should throw away or, or we should lose the sin that encumbers and run the race marked out for us. Now, how do you do that? How do you lose the sin that encumbers you? Or how do you lose all that keeps you down? How do you do that? Well, let's, let's listen to Jesus for a second here, and I think that he has the answer to this. It's going to be there. Just hang with me for a second, okay? This is from Luke 12. Meanwhile, the crowds were getting into the thousands, and they were milling about and stepping on each other. Now, you know when you get a crowd and they're all stepping about on each other, then you know something's going on. Everybody's moving about, right? There's a to-do. That's what you know. Jesus turned to his disciples and warned, Beware of the yeast of the Pharisees, their hypocrisy. The time is coming when everything that is covered up will be revealed and all that is secret will be made known to all. Whether you set it in the dark, it will be heard in the light. And whether it was whispered behind closed doors, it will be shouted from the housetops for all to hear. Dear friends, don't be afraid of those who want to kill your body. They can't do more than that afterwards. But I tell you this, the one to fear is God who has the power once you die, to bar you from heaven or to throw you into hell. I'm going to stop there. He's the one to fear. Now, I want, I want, to, I want to do a little cleanup on the language here so you know that God does have the power to make sure you go to hell. But the scriptures everywhere else talk about what his attitude toward sending people to hell is, and that is a posture of this saying, please don't go there. 
So while he has the power to decide who goes and who doesn't, he's letting people decide for themselves, begging them not to choose that way. That is the, that is the, the following stuff from John 3 where, where everything that's made visible, that nothing's hidden from him. You know what that is? That means that all the motivations of the people that have done things to you are, are laid out before him too. That, that it's actually a mercy that he knows everything so that his judgment is right and true and pure. You might say, well, but stuff's been done to me. Yes, and you've done stuff to other people. And he sees that all and he knows who you are. And as he tells Punchinello, as Eli tells Punchinello in this, what other people think, that doesn't matter to me. What matters is that I made you, that I love you. The secret to beginning to move on in life is this. Stop listening to the tape recorder that other people give you and start to listen to what God says to you and about who you are. That's the first step to throwing off all that encumbers you. Now, what, does it, what is it that he says, and why am I going there with this? Here it is. What is the price of five sparrows, two copper coins? Do you have two pennies in your pocket? Don't spend that all in one place, right? I remember when, when you could be told that with a nickel, don't spend that all in one place, and it was possible to not spend it all in one place. What is the price of five sparrows, two copper coins? Yet God does not forget a single one of those sparrows. And the very hairs on your head are all numbered. Don't be afraid. You are more valuable to God than a whole flock of sparrows. Now, I said this in the first service, and some of you, and they all laughed and giggled, and I want you to know that. I have fewer hairs on my head to count than some of you do. I don't know them all. Right? I haven't gone through there. One, two. Oh, no, I counted that one already. Three. But what we're seeing here is an attention to detail of somebody that cares deeply. That if he knows all the hairs on your head, the only example I can give you of this is, is somebody that's a fanatic about something. Have you ever met somebody that knows all the baseball stats for everybody for the last 40 years? Why did they know that? Because it matters to them. They've decided it's important and they spent the time on it. It's the same exact thing as the people that know every single thing about Star Trek. We call them Trekkies, right? They're fanatics. They know everything about it. Or perhaps you've been locked in a discussion about somebody with all the stuff going on in Star Wars and they know all the backstories of all the planets and who's in charge. And you're going, that wasn't in the movies but they spent the time to pay attention. The attitude here is that God has spent the time. You are so valuable to him that he has set his priority up to know every single thing about you, so much so that every hair on your head is numbered. Well, that one keeps getting in my eye. Well, it's not the third one from the left. It's the second one. No, he knows which one it is. There is an attention to detail here that lets you know that you're valuable. We don't pay attention. 
to things that aren't in, aren't valuable to us. I I have this sort of ongoing conversation with with Marjean at work sometimes, and she'll bring something up, and I just go, "Yeah, okay." I don't track that kind of information. We do have this information. You know what? Everybody pays attention to the stuff that's important to them. And nobody does a very good job of paying any attention to the things that aren't important to them. Is that, is that just reality? I'm, uh, whether that's true or not, um, you can tell from my ability to pay attention to money how unimportant it is to me. Now, I've joked about this, and some of you have heard it. I'll say it again. I have an art degree. I've proven money doesn't mean anything to me because I got that degree. In the same way that if you thought I was kidding, I got a theology degree just to back up the thought process. It's not the way to make money. And if money had been important to me, then I would have done something like business. What are the things that are important to you? What are the things that you're paying attention to? Are you paying attention to that tape deck or that MP3 in your head with the USB slot back here that people plug in and they say, well, you know, you're just not very good up, up front and you're not, you're, oh, you wouldn't do that very well. Or perhaps nobody has ever said anything to you and you're just afraid that you would speak badly and you started to listen to yourself and say, I'm just a little worried that I'm not going to do that very well. I probably wouldn't do that well and pretty soon I can't do it comes out of your head because this tape deck keeps playing and magnifying inside your head and it's a and it's a great echo chamber to do that right to only listen to the same voice over and over again is a perfect way to be convinced of something that may or may not be the truth the second step of of doing that instead of just listening to god and turning your turning off the tape deck from the future and or from from the people around you not the future but the people around you is to begin to listen to what god says about you you're valuable you're mine do you know what the bible calls the people of god his treasured possession his inheritance the thing the people called by his name that have you thought of yourself for a second that maybe God thinks of you as his treasured possession? Just let that sink in for a second. You're not the hand-me-down from the second-hand store to God, but a treasured possession. He knows what you've been through, and he knows what you're going to go through, and you are his, and he loves you. So much so that if I were to just give you a little bit of the gospel, you would hear this really well. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world. You're part of that. You can, you can be part of the world for this moment, if you like. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever should believe in him shall not perish but have eternal life. That also backs up my thought here that he's saying, don't go to hell, you won't like it there. You can if you want to because he values freedom and your love of him more than robots. He didn't want to make robots. He wanted loving people, people to love him in return. So he gave you a choice. He's not forcing you to love him. By the way, I don't think you can actually force love. 
You can force obedience, but it often comes with a rebellious heart. Those of you who, who've had kids know that, that if you try to force obedience, you get a rebellious heart. Can I get a witness to that? My mom can get a witness to that. And so here we go. What is it that we're working on? We're working on beginning to listen to this and understand it. I tell you the truth, he says in verse 8. Everyone who acknowledges me publicly here on earth, the Son of Man, will also acknowledge the presence in God's angels. But anyone who denies me here on earth will be denied, be denied before God's angels. Anyone who speaks against the Son of Man can be forgiven, but anyone who blasphemes the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven. And when you are brought to trial in the synagogues and before rulers and authorities, don't worry about how to defend yourself or what to say, for the Holy Spirit will teach you at the time what needs to be said. Now, I have two things. We've been talking about this, that, that what, one of the problems with the Pharisees was that they, they were hypocrites. They liked looking good, but they weren't good on the inside. They wanted themselves raised up. And, and sometimes if you've ever played a game of King of the Hill or anything like that, or just been around the world for more than five or six years, you'll figure out that people, in order to feel good about themselves, often have to do something to somebody else. What is that? Put them down. I, I'm not really, because we know who we are, and we know if, like, if I know that I'm not very good at something, but I want to put myself forward as good at it, what do I have to make sure? That everybody else in the room is not very good at it. It's the nature of the competitive way our world is. But the hypocrisy of having an icky inside and trying to have this super fantastic veneer on the outside is hypocrisy. Now, the, the problem with Christians in general is that they're in the reverse hypocrisy right now. We've got this wonderful inside, but we don't show it on the outside. Have you met this? You've met this in TV shows and everything when the world shows what Christians are like. They're all wearing black and they have uh, a callow skin and they never smile and they're, they're like the... They're like the hall monitors of the universe. <laughs> Don't do that ever. And they walk around with this face on. Well, earlier in our scripture, in, in, verse, in chapter 11, it was, your eyes are the light of your soul. Start taking in the light, and if it is the light, then it will enlighten the entire inside of your body. And then pretty soon, what's in your heart, is this another piece of scripture? What's in your heart will soon come out of your mouth. Have you ever had something just drop out of your mouth that wasn't happy? It wasn't brilliant. It wasn't funny. It wasn't nice. Well, that didn't come from nowhere. That came from inside you. What God's saying right now is start to turn to me and listen to what I have to say and let me flood the inside of your being with love and hope and a future and a joy and, a, and my presence. And pretty soon, the, all those little dark corners of your life start to do that. But have the integrity to be who you are and say what you mean. Have the integrity inside and out being a complete and whole human being, right? 
that this is the nature of letting your light shine before men. Well, if you, I hate to tell you this, your light is shining. What's in you? Have you been listening to God the Father and, and, and his love for you? Have you been listening to Eli the woodcarver as he says to you, I'm going to, I want to make sure I read this. Every day, this is, this is from God's perspective. Eli says, every day I'd been hoping you'd come. I came because I met somebody who had no marks, said Punchinello. I know. She told me about you. Do you think God is unaware of your presence and the people around you are not lifting you up? Why don't the stickers stay on her? Because she has decided that what I think is more important than what they think. The stickers only stick if you let them. What? Now I'm talking to you about that tape deck in your head. It only gets replayed if you hit the play button over and over and over again. The stickers only stick if they matter to you. The more you trust my love, the less you care about the stickers. I'm not sure I understand. You will, but it will take time. You've got a lot of marks. For now, just come by and see me every day and let me remind you how much I care. Eli lifted Punchinello off the bench and set him on the ground. Remember, you are special because I made you, and I don't make mistakes. Punchinello didn't stop, but in his heart, in his heart, he thought, I think he really means it. I think he really means it. Is there a chance that today, as we get ready to move through this part of the service and the other, that you could begin to hear God say, I don't make mistakes. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. Before you were, I knew the steps and all the pages in your book. This is the witness of Scripture. You are known. Every hair on your head is numbered because he cares and it matters to him. He has paid attention to you deeply. He has paid deeper attention to you than you have paid to you. The idea of integrity, that you'd be bright on the inside and that that now would flow through you. That is the integrity that God is hoping to build in your life. Will you pray with me? Lord Jesus, I thank you for today. I thank you for those that are here today, for those that are traveling for those that you call by your name according to your purpose, those that are your treasured possession. Help us hear your words in our hearts and help them echo and ring within us that we are yours and you are ours.
In your precious name, Lord Jesus. Amen.